HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership and organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cadmus HR Podcast is brought to you by Cadmus HR. At Cadmus HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CadmusHR.com to see how Cadmus HR can take care of your HR, so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day. Don't you know? Hi, this is the Cabinets HR Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniela Young. Our guest today is Aubrey. Aubrey, are you ready to be great today? Heck yeah, I am. Thanks for asking, Daniela. Aubrey Arms is a leader, business owner, trainer, speaker, and a woman on fire about elevating leadership, particularly women's leadership and changing how business is done. Her background is in leadership and human resources, and she has served both as a direct employee as well as consulting with hundreds of organizations over the last 20 years on how to accomplish their business goals while tending to their greatest asset, their people. Having worked with large corporations for Fortune 50 companies, as well as smaller startups and everything in between, Aubrey is well-versed in the challenges that business face today. She brings her fresh approach to help businesses do business differently in a way that feeds the people and the bottom line. So before I even ask you what you're excited about, I just want to say, I love that. I love that last line in the bio that we've got to feed people and the bottom line, because little known fact, they both matter. Um, and I've been talking about this a lot lately on our websites and on our blogs and all of this stuff. But, you know, culture and profit are directly related to each other, directly related to each other. Um, Harvard published a study that said culture increases your profit 756%. And this was a 22-something-year study. Um, so it's hugely, hugely effective, but you don't know what you're missing if you don't work on it, right? Like you only... It's very much like my background is uh, security in the military. And we only know what happened on Pearl Harbor because it happened, right? We wouldn't... If we had avoided it, we wouldn't have known. So it's like you never know really the downsides or the upsides of culture unless it's really bad or really good. So it's just one of those things that you constantly have to be working. So awesome. Love it. Aubrey, can you tell our listeners something that you are working on these days that is super exciting? Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for asking. Um, and I'm super thrilled to be here. So thanks for inviting me to be on your podcast. Um, I feel honored to be amongst so many wonderful people that you've had on here. 
Um, yeah, the, really the big thing that I've been, that's been working me and so that I've been working it and bringing it out to the world is going into organizations and teaching them how to have what I call crunchy conversations. And it's, you know, it's those places, whether it's boundary setting and upholding those boundaries, you know, whether it's from the leadership down to their people or for the people up to their leadership and really teaching people how to have these awkward, terribly uncomfortable conversations that are really essential to the organization's health and well-being. Um, and so that's the big thing that I'm really excited about. I offer those, uh, both open format where anybody can come. And then I also do specialize for business specific needs and go on site and work with their teams. Um, and it's super rewarding. That's great. I love, uh, I love crunchy conversations. Um, very, very Seattle, right? Um, cause we're all about the hippies. Um, Actually, one thing I really love about Aubrey, and if you're listening and not watching, you can't see her, but she has, you know, fun curly hair, purple glasses, amazing earrings made out of feathers, and she's wearing pink. All of these things are things that serious businesswomen in the past couldn't do and be taken seriously, right? So, but of course, she's this incredible badass with 20 years of, of business experience and she coaches business leaders. Um, and I love that. And I love that our culture now is changing to where you can bring who you are to the workplace. And that's what everybody should be doing. So thank you. Thank you for being on our podcast. And thanks for showing up as you. Um, so let's jump right into that executive experience. So as a woman with executive experience, you know, I would love it if you could talk a little bit about exactly that being a powerful woman in the workplace and share your thoughts. You and I have talked about this in the past on like how that is changing culturally right now at a rapid pace for women. Yeah. Well, first I want to say it's not easy to be in, in an executive shoes period. Um, and it's less easy for, uh, for women and particularly women of color. Um, it's really difficult to show up. And most of the business world is very masculine. It's very much the, the old, uh, the old man's game. And so historically, what women have done is they've tried to play the man's game and, and make themselves into men, um, and, and adopt the way business is, is being done. And I, I did that. I was one of those women. I was sitting at the executive table and I was miserable. I mean, it was not uncommon to find me literally hiding in the corner of my office where nobody could see me through the window crying, but trying to do it really quietly. So the CEO next door couldn't hear me. Um, and it's just, it, it was so miserable that I got to a point of, of, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like my soul would not allow me to continue this masquerade of trying to be something or someone that I wasn't. And, and I had a total and complete breakdown. I'll be really honest. I had a breakdown. I just was just like, I cannot do this and I will not do this anymore. And that opened the doorway for a huge, like personal evolution of my own self. So I think in order for a woman to be powerful in the workplace, she has to feel powerful within her own self. And there has to be a certain amount of personal work and personal development so that I could do that piece and then reemerge confident in who I am, confident in the skills and the value that I bring, that I know my worth. I no longer question my worth 
anymore. And I'm not like tiptoeing around that. So I think that like, as women particularly, it's so important for us to do our own personal work so that we can show up fully. And even when our voices quiver, you know, even when we're, we muster up the courage to say the thing that needs to be said, that nobody else is saying in the room, um, to, to stand with your knees knocking and your voice quivering and still stand there and, and know that you have an impact, even if it doesn't feel like it. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's a important time for women to really elevate themselves and rise up and invest in themselves. And as women, we need to rewrite our relationship with each other. You know, part of that old paradigm is we are conditioned to tear each other down. And I see that in the workplace all the time. You know, particularly here in Seattle, tech is really big. And I hear story after story after story of women in tech about how they tear each other down. So I'm just, I I have an invitation for everyone listening or watching, particularly for the women. And like, let's rewrite that story. And how do we stand next to a woman and support her? In a, in a way that really builds us all up. And women know how to build community. We know how to tend to the greater whole for the betterment of all, where there's harmony and prosperity available to us and not just this business mindset of it's all about the bottom line, regardless of the cost. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's so interesting about that is I think I really relate to what you're saying. And I think that it's seen as a thing that, oh, women, are catty and women tear each other down. Um, but I think so much of that comes from the outside. So I noticed during, you know, my time in the military and I was a, a female officer. So that's, that's fairly rare. Um, percentage wise, right? Like we're like 11% or something. So people would come up to me, like the men, whenever a new woman got to the unit, the men would walk into my office and say, Oh, have you gone and seen your competition yet? And it was always just funny to me. I'm like, no, I'm going to go meet my new friend. You know, I'm going to go walk down the hallway and say hi to my new colleague. Um, but it was, you know, it was interesting to me. It was like this external, not pressure, but this idea that women are going to fight with each other. And it wasn't coming from the women. It was coming from the men. Um, and something else that I heard from you. That I think, you know, it's kind of, it's so important for women to be able to be their whole selves in the workplace. And so for the leaders listening, right? Like that means like when we say we talk a lot about equality right now in our society and these movements for like women are equal, minorities are equal, diversity is good. And that's all true, but equal doesn't mean the same. And what has been in previous generations, it's women, you can be here, you can be equal. But really, you have to pretend to be a man, which is what you said. And when in reality, like as leaders, we all need to realize that like, no, can be a woman. We learn, we have a completely different life experience than men do. We learn things completely differently, you know, and we need to be able to bring exactly who we are to the table um, and, and use that. Because of course, that's the actual impact of diversity, right? Or the value of diversity is your entire, your entire life experience. Well said. Yeah, I think it's, and it's not a better than or worse than too. So I want to be really clear. I'm not proposing here that women are better than men. 
what I'm saying is, is that women in the wholeness of their womanness, that element is missing in business. And it's an element that is leading to where we're at in business and why business needs to be done differently. And, and I can go on and on. Absolutely. Well, and there's so many ideas that have just never been thought about, right? So I love, you know, two great examples is Rent the Runway and then Sarah Blakely's Bank, right? That were two ideas that were scoffed at by men in the industry. You know, Sarah Blakely tells the story where she couldn't figure out why hosiery was so uncomfortable until she couldn't get anyone to make her prototype because the entire hosiery industry was only men. And she had a light bulb moment. She was like, oh, this is why hosiery is so uncomfortable because it's conceived of and made by people that don't spend 12 hours a day in it. And so she, of course, made her product, owns her entire company by herself because nobody believed in it. She's a mega billionaire. Um, And similar story with Rent the Runway. Right? It was this idea that the ruling business elites could not even understand because it was a product for 30-year-old women and they were not 30-year-old women. And now it's the unicorn. Now it's the newest billion dollar company, you know, which is amazing. And there's just so many opportunities like that. You know, we saw it in the military when we put women in combat, how quickly that changed our our positive outcomes. And we see that, like you said, in Seattle, we see that in tech. Oh my God. Right. With the 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 differences and the changes that women make in the tech industry, which is amazing. When we talked earlier, you mentioned you work with clients on changing the way that business is done. Tell us about that process. Well, at first, I want to say that that has to be the correct kind of client. And so I'm very actually picky about who I work with. There's a certain foundation of who I will even entertain working with. And it has to be the kind of client that genuinely they want to do good and they want to do good by their people and they want to be a good leader. And as they're sitting in their business and they're looking around and you know, usually it's reflected in their bottom line. So they're seeing it in their financials. They're seeing it in a personal way of like how it just feels to go to work. Um, and they know that something isn't, isn't working right, but they have no idea what to do or what to fix it. So like that's the starting point is there has to be a genuine desire to be, to be a great leader and to build a great company. And then from there, you can talk about changing how the business is done. So there has to be a certain openness and willingness, first and foremost. And then I find that those leaders, that they're so, they're so hungry for it. I'm a pretty intense person. I, I have stamina and going power and I can just go, go, go. And I have to really, you know, gauge my clients and say, Hey, you get to tell me when enough's enough for today. You get to say no. And in my way is I ask them, you know, I say, I have something for you. Do you want to hear it right now? And they have full permission and autonomy to say yes or no, or no, I've had enough of you today. Thank you very much. Go find somebody else to work with today, um, which happens too. So there has to be that willingness. But really, the, from there, what I do is I do that executive coaching upward. You know, like when you're sitting at the top, it's really lonely up there and people might complain about what you do, but nobody's actively working with you to help grow you. So I, I insert myself into the middle of the business and I grow the, the top level executives up through the executive coaching. And really, it's a holistic way of, of looking at things. 
And then I work downward to their next level of leadership. And I serve as a bridge. I know what the president, the CEO, or whoever is really wanting for their business. And then I become an extension of them and I get deployed out to work really in depth with their teams to coach, to elevate, to problem solve, to brainstorm, and then bringing them together, You know, making sure communication is happening because often businesses are so fast paced that communication isn't happening, which leads to some of the frustration that's happening in the organization. Um, and then I, then I work with the employee group to, to raise to raise them up as well and, and really speak to here's what we're creating here because everybody's so busy like m- making the widgets of the business right nobody there's usually a lack of a leadership voice of saying here's our vision here's what we're creating and every day speaking to that and that's how you grow a business and then I get in there and do like hands-on technical stuff so it might be crunching numbers with people it might be you know looking at financials with the CEO or the president um, it might be like elbows deep working side by side with one of the leaders to help them fix the problem so it's not as though I'm a consultant just telling people what to do I work with them and then I actually get in there side by side and, and do it with them and then I bring in you know some of the personal development stuff. Uh, where we talk about growth mindset and we'll do lunch and learns with the staff um, to really help them understand, well, what is a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset? And how does that apply to their business? And what's their biggest business challenge? And how can we take this concept and actually apply it to the challenge and actually move the needle and do it quickly? That's such an important part, right? Is the There's a lot of abstract con- uh, concepts we were talking about how, for example, everyone says, you know, you got to start with values, right? What are your values? What are your company's values? That's how you create culture. That's a very abstract concept. And actually what people like, well, both you and I do um, with clients, right? Is show them like, here's what that means. Here is a physical, tangible example of how you take a value and use it when you're making decisions. And then also... The other thing I heard you talk about was, you know, getting in there with the leaders and sort of helping be their guide. And this has kind of been a theme I've been hearing a lot lately that it has to be the right kind of person. And that really, you know, what it comes to, I believe, is that the best leaders study leadership and the best cultures come from people that study culture and care about culture. And it has to come from that person. And I 100% agree with you. Like, if it's not the right, not the right client for you, or if you're a business leader and it's not the right coach for you, or you're not the right business leader for them, it's not gonna, it's not really gonna work. You know, and with, uh, with culture and leadership specifically, it's, it's very interesting to me as I talk to all these different guests because I think it's like, it's like psychology and therapy. Like the people that need it the most are never gonna get it because they don't even know that they need it. So the people that, I'm sure you find this right with your clients, the people that seek you out and want your help. You sort of mentioned this already. They already know there's a pain point. They're already seeing it in their, in their financials and they need to, they know that this, um, sort of what some people consider to be soft woohoo stuff that is, uh, culture and leadership and personal development is, uh, actually really hardcore stuff that is affecting their day to day business. It's super hardcore stuff. It, ta- it takes a lot. It takes a lot for somebody to be willing to look at their, st- their own self 
and instigate that change and stick to it to build those new habits. And as you were talking about the right fit, right? Whether it's the right fit for a client or the right fit for a coach, you know, taking that into the business place. And I think that this is a place where leaders can grow is they need to be more discerning about who's the right fit for their business and to not tolerate bad behaviors. And and that's a big piece that I see out there, especially right now, as you know, being in HR, there's this talent shortage, you know, and and they're like, if you're breathing, we'll take you is what how a lot of businesses are because they're so desperate. Well, that's a reflection of leadership. If you have great leadership, you're going to have great talent. So if businesses are in that place, they really need to invest in their leadership. And doing that, they will make sure they're inviting and maintaining the, the correct people for their business. And I think it's so important to, to reemphasize this point of like, you need the right people. You need the right people in the right seat. And you have to be the right people for your company, for your leadership style. Um, and just because they're not the right people for your company doesn't mean they're not great, amazing people that will be right for somewhere else. I compare it sometimes with my clients to dating, right? Like women get told a lot that they're too picky, especially professional women, right? And the answer to that is, well, you only need one, you know, you're only looking to find one. So everyone else, you know, the the whole like, it's not you, it's me, you know, like you're a wonderful person. You can go somewhere else. We need the people for our company. And of course, all of this work that you do with the leader is just going to help them become more and more sort of self-aware about who they are and you know what their their values but also their business values are which i'm sure you would agree right helps them find the right people well absolutely and even helping that's part of that like side by side uh work that i do with them is like hey let's identify who who is a correct person for you to hire and bring into your business so when you're hiring new people are we hiring not necessarily the most talented person or the smartest person or any of those things, right? Like I let them take care of the technical aspect and I really focus on the per- the person. You know, do they have the kind of mindset that will allow them to help you grow your business? You know, are they willing to be in these crunchy conversations? Are they willing to instigate them and have them and speak up? Because if we don't have people that are willing to speak up, you're not going to grow your business and maintain it the way your vision is and your desire. So yeah, I just, I think being picky is good and we want to unpack that a little bit, you know, to make sure you're being picky for the correct reasons and in the correct way. Because you definitely want to make sure you're not being picky just to hire only people like you. Um, Because that of course creates an even worse problem. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I do just have to point out that if you're not watching the video, you probably don't see this, but Aubrey's title is Greatness Guru, which is phenomenal. Um, we've had, man, we've had the executive shaman. We have the greatness guru. <laughs> I love these titles, right? Like it's right there. And what's she going to do? She's going to help you be great. Yes. Business leader as an organization. That's so awesome. I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk for like a minute about WBO? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, WBO is the Women Business Owners Organization. It's here uh, locally in the Seattle and Bellevue area. It is a phenomenal networking group of high-powered women um, that come together. And we have a couple events we do every month. And it's really about building relationships 
and supporting each other. It's not one of those where you get sold to or anything of that. It's really powerful women coming together to support other powerful women and enjoying ourselves along the way. So uh, womenbusinessowners.org for anyone who's interested. We do a a lunch and a happy hour every month. Um, Come see me there. Yes, I need to make it to one soon. Um, but networking for women by women, you know, it was so funny. I, uh, as my listeners know, I love to watch a comedy on Netflix, um, like stand up comedy. And I never realized how much they were political activists until I started watching it. Hassan Minaj on the Patriot Act. He's phenomenal. He like deep dives into an issue and you learn all about it and it's humorous and it's funny and it's quite liberal. So if that's not your thing, but he, he had this comment where he was talking about, I think it was the Me Too uh, movement in China that, you know, we relegated women to secretarial work for decades. And now we're surprised that they're so good at organizing and networking and creating change and moving <laughs> and sort of all of those people skills, right? Um, which I just thought was a, a great concept. But yes, you know, women, women do networking in whole different ways. Aubrey, our time is basically over. It went super fast. Uh, I always do because all my guests are just so great. Were you providing a gift or discount today for listeners? I am. So if uh, listeners can go to my website, so it is awakenyourgreatness.guru. So again, we're changing how business is done. Uh, so awakenyourgreatness.guru. They can go on there and there's a couple actually leadership resources that are available. There's my Crunchy Conversation Toolkit. It's 28 pages that will walk you through how to have any difficult conversation, whether it's at work or in your personal life. It applies there too. Um, it's free. Please download it. Please use it. It's super important that we have these conversations out in the world. And then I also have a team member profile available there as well where it's just a really good way to understand who you're working with so you can work better with your people that you lead and you manage. And both of those are free free gifts available on my website to your listeners. I'm downloading it right now, Aubrey. Awesome. What is the best way to connect with you on social media? Instagram has been my favorite place to hang out lately. So you can find me on Insta at greatness underscore guru. I, uh, I need to learn more about Instagram myself. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go connect with you. Listeners, please connect with her. If you've heard stuff that you liked, uh, want to engage more. She's so energetic and inspiring. And I feel like uh, a t- small toddler wasn't disturbing all my sleep last night after, you know, having this conversation with you. So thank you so much. All of the links will be available. Um, everything she mentioned, all the links, all the different ways you can connect with her on social media will be available in the show notes. And those are found at www.havenesshrblog.com. Thank you so much, Aubrey. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cognis HR Culture Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cognis HR. 
Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cadence HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important to small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasoncabinets at cabinetshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. Don't you know something? Don't you know?